All right, so this morning we're going to be talking about the Great Commission. Uh, it's kind of amazing the, the timing. And to be honest with you, this series was actually planned for next month. But then it worked out that we brought it up for it a month, and I just feel like it's so appropriate that God has controlled the timing of it all. Um, just with everything going on in the church, it's just amazing that God knew that this series was for right now. And so we're actually in our second week. We've taken the Great Commission and we've split it up into uh, uh, fours because there's four alls. The series is called One for All. And, you know, it's kind of a play on words. One being Jesus, four being like for you or for the number. And there's four alls. So I like puns. So that's what we did. Uh, and so the uh, it's just amazing to break it apart that way. And last week, Nick brought uh, a sermon about all authority, how Jesus is has all authority, and the question was, does he have all authority uh, in your life, right? And then this week we're gonna be talking about all nations, and then uh, following that we'll be talking about all teachings, and then the, the final one will be, I'm with you always. We kind of slipped it in there, it's not really all, but always. Uh, so, going from where were the churches at internally and where, where we are as a society as we come out of these, these, these lockdowns from the pandemic and, and things. Um, going in, it was, it was something I really, really struggled with as far as like, is, is my church just a social club? And, uh, do I need to be, you know, like how do I operate as a church when I'm limited in, in what I can do together with people? Uh, and it, it was amazing that God just kind of, I think he's taken us all through that journey. Like, how do we operate? You know, we were doing Zoom calls, we were doing this and that and everything else, and trying to find ways to connect and be involved with each other because, it, you know, if a body is not connected, you know, it's dead. And so trying to find ways to connect and trying to find ways to impact. And so as we are uh, coming out of that, and the, the commandment that we're going to talk about is go to all nations, right? So as we're coming out of that, you know, how do we, how do we take everything that we learned in that compressed time, all the, all the veneer, all the stuff that got stripped away by God during that time, how do we take that and, 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 and live it here, live it now, as, as without letting all the architects, all the archetypes, all the, all the stereotypes, all the things that I've been used to as church my entire life, rather than letting that stuff just come back in and fill, fill whatever void was there, I want it to stay away. And I want this to be real. I want, I want the connections I make with people to be more real. You know, uh, I, want, oh, I, want, I want that. And I think you guys do too. So it's, it's exciting just to kind of get into this. So uh, as we look at this, uh, this section of scripture, uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and read it here. It says, uh, in Matthew 28, 18, it says, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Wherever we go through scripture, there's, there's, there's these, these passages that, that, that the church kind of has struggled with. I think just for years, maybe it's just the American church, but I think it's actually all churches, because we take a look at these, these verses and we say, well, Either I'm not doing this, am I doing this enough? Do I, do I you know, this, is, this seems fine, you know, we're, we're talking about going to all nations, this seems fine for people who are extroverted, who love to talk to people, but what does it mean for introverted people who kind of like are stressed out by that? Uh, you know, like what is, you know, how, do, how do I live this out? 
And how do I not, you know, how do I let God convict me for, for not doing it versus my own self-convictions, you know, the things that tear me, that tear me apart for not, not fulfilling what God has for me? The, how do I separate the accusations of the devil and how do I have the, the, the discipline of God? And how do I understand these two in this passage? Well, throughout, um, uh, as we look at last week, we talked about Jesus should have all authority on us. And the question that was asked was, does Jesus have all the authority to tell you to go? Does he have that authority in your life? This week, we're going to tell you, he has told you to go. Okay, so like, he has that authority. He's commanded that authority. And he's saying, now it's time to go. Um, remember, when, if you look at when Jesus came, the first thing he said to, to people was, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if you look at the book of Matthew, it's beautiful if you kind of realize the theme uh, of the book of Matthew is Jesus as king. So the king has authority, and the king has told you to go. And so that's where we come in. Okay, the king has told me to go. How do I, how do I understand that? How do I operate there? How do I live there? Uh, so... In the, in there, there, there are several ways to take this, right? So the, uh, you could say, oh, it's not, it's not me. It's actually meant for the disciples, right? Because I wasn't there. I wasn't on that hill. I wasn't, he, he wasn't saying, go, Andy. He was saying, you know, hey, you, 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 you 12 go, right? Uh, in fact, um, that's a really inappropriate reading because uh, the whole, you, you would discount the entire rest of the New Testament. You have Paul going, you have... You have Philip going. You have all these, uh, all the rest of the New Testament talking about how God has sent His people into the world, right? So, like, we have all these these um, these examples uh, from from Scripture. Uh, another way to so by by stripping apart that, you're stripping apart Jesus's authority and being able to say, because if Jesus's authority is eternal, then His commandment is eternal. Uh, and so we need, those, we need to see those two things together. The go is for then, the go is for today, the go is for tomorrow. Um, so some, uh, in, in, the, in the church, in the modern church, there's been this attempt to say, okay, well, when he says go, he really kind of means like, not really go, but just like as, you're, as you live your life, as you're doing your things. And so uh, you, you, um, you would read that instead of go and uh, make disciples of all nations. Just as you're going, make disciples of all nations. In fact, it's gone even so deep in the, in the, in the, in the history of the church that they, they tear apart the Greek. And they say this, this go is, not a, is an imperative, right? It's, it's a going thing versus a go do this thing. Uh, and you'll, you'll see this as you do, the re do research on to finding out about what this means and how, how do I apply this to myself, uh, which is all, always the question we approach. Uh, it falls apart when you look at that scripture in context. You can't say that this is meant to be a passive thing. Uh, you can go into the, deep into the Greek, but if you just look at where this phrase is used elsewhere in the book of Matthew, which helps us understand, uh, there's a point where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and uh, they're challenging him and uh, he's explaining things, of course, as they always did. And in Matthew 9, he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. So go and learn what this means. I desire mercy 
and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. It's the same go that's used in the Great Commission. Okay? And so, it'd be really weird for Jesus to say, well, as you're studying the scriptures, if you happen upon this verse, think about it. But no, he's being very specific to them. He's saying, go look at the scriptures and see me. Right? Uh, it'd be very much like clicking on YouTube and finding a, a video on uh, nuclear power plant construction and being an expert in five minutes. By the way, if you guys want any good videos, I can send you on them. It's a fascinating subject. But the point is that I, you know, I've, I've already forgotten like all that stuff because I wasn't intentionally looking that. I was just clicking things on the internet as you do. And so that sense of living the Christian life is wrong. This isn't just like click on it, go, go, okay. This is go in t with intention. It's go and, not as you're going, do this. It's go and make disciples, right? So we have to read it that way. So, so as we look at who is speaking again, who is telling us to go and, it's Jesus in all his authority as king. So we go out of obedience. It is for us. It is for us to go. In obedience to him as the king. Because we are entirely indebted to God. It's amazing as you think about it. Um, that we have been bought with the most precious gift of all. Not only just a life. Not only just an innocent life. The son of God was sacrificed, took the wrath of God for me in, in, entirely. That gift, uh, that, that, is, that, is, that is just a, a, simply an amazing gift. Like, you, you think about this, innocence died for me. Pure innocence, pure um, purity died for me. And so it's with that, with Jesus coming and saying, I now have all authority, go. We look at them and we say, obviously, I'm going to follow this. Um, in fact, uh, as we look at uh, Paul, when he's talking about this, he says, uh, in, in Colossians, he says, Now I rejoice for my, in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Paul here is saying that I owe so much to Christ. What is my body? Like, look at all the suffering and affliction he went through. Like, if going is difficult, which it is, I've got so much that I owe Christ. There's, there's no way. It's not even a debt that I'm going to try to repay. I'm just going to fill up what he has called me to do, and I'm going to do it in obedience. Uh, in the... Um, we want to go... Uh, we want that obedience to be... Not, not ceremonious, right? Not, oh, I'm going because so-and-so's going. I'm doing this because the, 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 the church said to do this. I'm doing this because of that, right? We want to go out of a deep longing, desire, indebtedness to Christ inside that God has placed in our hearts. Uh, anything else is ridiculous. If you look at the Old Testament, uh, there's a time where, where Saul was told to wipe out his enemies, and so it's pretty violent, right? He goes and he wipes them out, but he keeps he keeps the sheep, he keeps some of the animals, keeps some of the some of the good stuff. He keeps 
the king. He keeps, you know, all, these, all the things that are very typical of a conquest of that day. Because then those were all wealth. Those were all power. You take the, you take the king from another country, he becomes your slave. All of a sudden, now you've got, like, you're, you're a pretty wealthy, you know, dictator then. Uh, and so Samuel, the prophet, shows up and says, have you done everything that the Lord has told you to do? And, and, and Saul says, oh yeah, I've done everything, I'm good. And then Samuel, of course, being clever, says, why do I hear the bleeding of sheep? <laughs> it's like, you know, he, he had to have had a sense of humor, but it was like, the, obviously you haven't. You've, you've, in, in obeying half the way, you've disobeyed, right? To, and he says, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than to live on ceremony. And so when we go forward in obedience, we go forward in obedience to God, not into whatever peer pressure, whatever ceremony, whatever else things that might kind of fit in there. I get excited by something, but, and sometimes that fades, but am I going in obedience? That's a different, that's a different motivation. We're to go in love and, then, and not in fear, right? The obedience that we have for Jesus is like a rescuer who saves someone. Um, and a lot of times, if, we, if, we, if our motivations to go are, as I said, ceremony, as anything else, then, or as fear, oh, if I, if I, if I don't go, these people are going to think this about me, right? It kind of strips away God's glory from that thing. And instead, we want to go in love because love casts out all fear. So we go forward because we love God. We love Jesus for all he's done, and we love what he wants to do. We love his, the, the, the people that he wants to reach. We go, we go in that love. If you, if you find it scary to go, as I said, I think, uh, I think a lot of people do, uh, your chance here is to pray that God's love would overcome your fear. And because, uh, as I said, perfect love casts out all fear. And so that's where we want to go. We want to go in perfect obedience and in perfect love. And thirdly, we're going to, we're, we're to go in power. Remember, this is the king. Not, not, not just the king of like, but the king of everything. The king of, of me, the king of the world. The, if you look a, a few pages back, you'll see the lesser commissions, right? You'll see where Jesus says to his disciples, go out, but stay within the borders of Jerusalem or Israel. Stay within the borders of Israel. That's where I want you to go. But you're going to go out and you're going to do these things. And they go out and they come back and they're amazed at uh, the amazing work that God has done. But now, Jesus is laying it down. He says, my borders have now extended. This whole world is now under my authority. So you go. And you go as an emissary of the king. You go as someone who is backed by power. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So he says, we are now ambassadors. We are empowered. So go in obedience, go in love, and go in power and faith. So this is a direct command to us. So there's no way to get out, get to the side and say, okay, this, this must not be for me. This must be for somebody else. This must be God is speaking to us specifically to go. But it's not just to go, because a lot of people get hung up on that part. 
Oh, I just, just to go. So it means I need to go find some other country to go to. I need to go find some other thing to do. But instead, it's to go and, right? And it's a, the command is to go and make disciples. So again, the third way to misinterpret this command is to make it entirely about the go and, and not the go and. Uh, a lot of times I've spoken to Christians who have who, who've talked about conversions like notches under a belt. Oh, I brought this person, I brought this, I brought this, I brought this, you know, I brought this person to here, but you know, I was like, okay, well, what did you do next? What did you do next? Conversion is the important part. It's the beginning, but where's the discipleship part, right? Where's the part that you are doing life together with this person? Um, so, I mean, the, the, the problem with this interpretation, I think, that it's simply to go and then come back from your trip and talk about how amazing the food was, but to actually go and invest in your life with people is that um, it de-emphasizes God's purpose for the church, right? This is go and make disciples. Well, that's, that's this. That's what we are to do. Go bring people into this community and build this community, make disciples. So it limits that scope. So discipleship takes both conversion and community. Um, so in the next section, he, as, as the scripture continues, uh, Jesus describes uh, discipleship as baptize, baptism. He says, make disciples baptizing and teaching, right? Uh, you only do both of those things together when this commandment is real and Jesus is real in your life. I, um, one of the things uh, I remember reading years ago uh, was, uh, you know, the, the, the magician uh, Penn, Penn Gillette, he's a very famous atheist. And uh, his quote, which I think, I think is amazing, and it's, I think, something that, that, that we need to think about. He says, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. Speaking of Christians, I don't respect that, all, that at all. If you believe there's a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever you think, and you think it's not really worth telling them because this, because it would make it socially awkward. You know, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that, uh, how important Pendulet's individual respect is, but I, I get that, right? Like, uh, like, if this is so absolutely important to me, if this is, the, if this is eternity we're talking about, really, really eternity, then why, why would I be scared of being socially awkward? In fact, um, my oldest son, uh, when he was, he's younger, I haven't seen him do it recently, so don't pick on him, but, uh, but when he was younger, we would, I would take him out to the ice cream shop or something, and we'd be sitting there, a pre-pandemic, we'd be sitting there eating ice cream, and he would ask the person across, do you know Jesus? Or I'd take him through the, uh, take him through, through the grocery store, and he'd ask the teller, do you know Jesus? And, and it, was, it was amazing, like nobody else, no, nobody said, oh, I hate you. You know, there was, there was, there was no negative, right? I mean, and for, for, for various obvious reasons. One, you know, he's a little kid, but, but uh, the, the truth behind it was that he was just asking, asking the question, do you know Bob? Do you know Joe? Do you know Jesus? Right, like, if, I, if you walk up to somebody in the street, do you know Mr. So-and-so? Like, there's, there's no heavy weight to that, right? There's no, like, I'm attacking you because you don't believe what I believe. And a lot of people take that 
their immediate their shields go up as soon as you say that. But but his wasn't there wasn't a leading question there. It was, do you know Jesus? Because he's so good, right? So he, he was overcome by that, and he, he wanted to ask everybody that. Um, So, uh, as it continues, it talks about teaching. So not only making, but teaching. Uh, and it says the teaching that uh, Jesus' commandments is what the majority of the New Testament is about. So how to operate as a church. So conversion and community. Uh, in fact, one of the things that we might fail at is understanding that it's the entire church. And, and there, was a, there was a political struggle uh, in, um, in Corinth, if you read in 1 Corinthians, between uh, two famous teachers, right, Apollos and Paul. And people were saying, oh, you know, I follow Apollos because he's such a good teacher. I follow Paul because he converted me, or whatever it is. Uh, and Paul, in, in his response to them, says, look, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither uh, he who plants or, nor he who waters is anything but God who gives the growth, right? So uh, as, you're, as you look at who you are and how you fulfill this, how you fulfill this command to go, what, how this operates in your life, where in the community you fit in, the introverts, the extroverts, whatever it is, you, the question is, am I planting, am I watering, where am I in this, in this spectrum, and how am I obeying this command to go and make disciples? When was the last time I did either of those things? When was the last time I planted, watered? When was the last time I was involved in that? Am I involved with that today? Am I, am I making disciples? Am I involved in, uh, in doing all that? So it's going to be uncomfortable. It's intentionally uncomfortable because I think a lot of us like to live in our little bubbles and kind of like lock down and, you know. But uh, as we come out of this, um, like, what's the rule? What's the rule about conversations? Uh, oh, there's... Um, Two constants of life, death and taxes, no. Uh, it's um, never talk about politics and religion. That's what they tell you. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm fine with the politics part. I've, I've never had anything really great come out of, a, out of an argument for politics. Um, but not talking about religion makes me feel shallow and empty inside. It makes me feel like a hypocrite. When I, when, I, when I come in, I say, oh, Jesus is amazing. Jesus is my all. And then I'm not willing to talk about him. Or I find, I find myself, I caught myself, honestly, the, the other day, I was, at, I was at a thing for work. And just without skipping a beat, I just started talking about church with this dude. And, and halfway through the conversation, I was like, huh. This is like the second time I've met this guy, and he must think I'm a weirdo. But anyways, I've committed to the conversation, so we're going for it. <laughs> Uh, and you know, he, he didn't get offended. He was like, "Yeah, cool." And then, and then we talked about his dog. I think, but, uh, but, 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 the point was like, I had that hesitation, and I hate that hesitation. Like, why? Like, why do I see that in me? This is important to me. I need to push through that barrier. Um, so again, the call is to evangelism, to community. It's a call to build Christian communities uh, with everyone and everywhere. Uh, disciples, we're called to make, uh, make disciples, and disciples do life together, right? I know we've, it's, I, I keep saying that, and 
I know we, we've described our home groups that way, we've described our church that way, we, we've kind of pulled that phrase in, do life together, but I, I never grow tired of it. I don't know about you guys, but I really, really don't go get tired of that because I feel like there's more of my life I can be investing in with you guys. There's more, you know, all the mess, all the things that kind of like are, are that come up. I, uh, we were pre-pandemic, we, 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 uh, we did uh, the West Seattle home group and we were gathering and it was like, okay, so you bring the pizza this night, you bring the, the, the burgers the next night. And it was just like, okay. And we were meeting and it was late and it was after, we were trying to time it after my kids were in bed. I've got four kids, by the way. Um, and so we tried to make it so once the kids are out of the way, we can do the Jesus stuff. Because uh, then it, we had time to clean, pick up the toys, get everything in them. Look, I live in a perfect home. Uh, and the, we, we, had a, we, had a, we had a home group meeting, and it was like, why are we here? We're here to, to, to act like life is perfect and to, to, and to act like I've got it all together. You know, my job is falling apart, but I'm not going to talk about it. You know, whatever it is. Um, so we changed it. We said, you know what, guys? We do dinner at 6. The doors are open. Show up. Kids, dog, laundry piled up, whatever it was. Uh, you know, just come and we will do life together. And it changed everything. So we as disciples need to kind of let the mess out. We need to be meeting each other. We need to be crying with each other. We need to be rebuking each other. We need to be... Um, Whatever it is, right? This, this whole like, facade of perfection, no, nobody's perfect. And you know what? We mess up. And we need to be honest with each other about that. We need to call each other up. We need to say, hey, you know, how are you doing? Like James asked me this morning, and, and, and I apologize for not getting back to you, James, but he asked me, what has God been talking to you? And I, so I told him how you know, God has been waking me up, me up at 4 and 5 a.m. for the last two weeks. And I've been, I've been trying to game it, you know? Like, I've been trying to stay up. Oh, if I stay up till like midnight, I'm gonna sleep in. And by sleep in, I mean till 6 a.m. when my kids get up. So I wanted those two hours, and they're like, that wasn't working, and it was making me really tired, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to bed at 9 p.m. And I got up at four and five again. Uh, and, but the, the amazing thing about that was that I spent such sweet time just with God, laying all my anxieties, all, everything that was going on, just like, I'm waking up, I'm stressed by something, God, but let's talk. Uh, but then James asked me, okay, I hear that. That's nice in general. What has God been specifically speaking to you about? And I was like, oh, I don't have a good answer for that one. I don't have something in the back pocket like, oh, well, you know. But uh, James, I think God has been talking to me specifically about peace. And so, but, you know, like, ask each other that. After this, what has God been talking to you about? Okay, good. What has God been specifically talking to you about? It's like when somebody says, how are you doing? You're like, oh, good. It's like, liar. <laughs> Tell me the truth. How are you really doing, right? So what has God been speaking to you about? How has God been using this in your life? You know, is it hard right now? Let's pray. How do we be that community? And how do we obey this commandment by bringing other people into this community, right? Um, in John, it says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. 
you also are to love one another. By, all, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have loved, if you have love for one another. I don't think when people look at the church, they say, hey, those, those guys love each other. They don't. They say, look at those hypocrites. So you get the names out of the way. Then they say, look at it, it's another social club. They get together and they like the same stuff. You know, I go to bowling league every, every Friday. So what's the difference? There has to be a difference, right? The difference has to be this love. This difference has to be these lives stuck together, messy. So it goes on, it says, so make disciples and so we make disciples in love and we invite others into this group. It says, make disciples of all nations. It's, it's very tricky to look at this in the English and just say, oh, okay, so I go, to, I go to China, I go to Myanmar, I go to Spain, like, I'll go and I'll make disciples in other nations. And that's one way to look at this. But if you look at what it really means is talking about people groups. Like, God, Jesus is not concerned about governments. I'm just going to throw that out there. Like, I think it says that we are to pray for the peace of the country we live in. We're supposed to pray for, our, for, the, for the government, the people that God has put over us. But when Jesus faced with the question, do I pay my taxes? He says, pay your taxes. Like, okay, let's move on to more important things. Right? So, when he talks about nations, he's talking about people groups. I think a really, a really convicting and maybe a better way to read this in English would be, Go and make disciples of all Muslims. Go and make disciples of all neighbors. Go and make disciples of all atheists. Go and make disciples of all bowlers. I don't know, something, anyone. People is what God is concerned with, not countries. Countries are made of people, but that's kind of Make disciples of your coworkers. Uh, I was just having a conversation uh, about how it's amazing that I've gotten a new job recently and God has surrounded me by Christians and it's, it's so empowering just to be able to think, huh, I can call up my boss and say, you know what, not about work, let's pray. You know, like building that community, it's amazing. The making disciples takes baptism, teaching, uh, it's, it's taking conversion and community. You notice that he doesn't say, okay, this is for all you pastors over there. Go make disciples, baptize and teach. He's speaking to us. And uh, I don't know how, but every time I thought about baptism, I thought about, oh, the pastor takes the person, dunks him in the lake, uh, or the lake's too cold, dumps them in the pool, and then, you know, like, and that's what the pastor does, and then we're bringing, but there's nothing in here that says you guys can't go baptize people. Go baptize people, bring them in, right? It talks about teaching uh, all of God's, all the commandments that Jesus had. Go teach, explain, be a part of discipleship making, right? So, so much is put on the pastors do these things by tradition. And I think we need to break that apart. We need to go make disciples of all nations. The, that is the part that's going to last, right? The, 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 the people part. If you, um, from 
now until the end of the age, he says that I'll be with you, right? In Revelations uh, 12, uh, and it says, in 12:11, it says, and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives until death. That's how we make disciples, and that will continue until eternity, that we are, this commandment is for yesterday, today, and forward on to the future. Until eternity, go make disciples, don't stop. Where are you in this process? Planting, watering, asking for prayer, giving prayer, being honest with your answers with each other. Make disciples, make a community and make the community so amazingly different by how honest and how truthful and how loving and how broken it is for each other. That's the church. That's who we're called to be. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we just want to come before you just this morning and just thank you so much, Lord, for your word, for your conviction, Lord. Lord, we want to obey you in your commandments. You, we want you to be the king of our life. And Lord, we just uh, pray that you would show us how to do life together, how we step forward in discipleship together, Lord. And uh, we just pray that you would receive all the glory and all the increase, Lord. And thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that you've decided to use us worthless beings in your plan for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.